We've got ten seconds remaining. Looks like it's going to be a draw. Looks like it's heading for a draw. Maguire down the line. North. Hi everybody and welcome to the Lot Pod, the Leeds Rhinos Lot 17A podcast, who are kindly sponsored by ACDMB. They are a branding and creative design agency based in Farsley, Leeds. They create standout brands, so if any companies out there need a new brand or a brand refresh, just get in touch with ACDMB. And as always, we thank them for their support in sponsoring us. This is another, we are incredibly lucky recently because this is another Lot pod special. We've really been smashing these, and thankfully, we've got another great guest alongside us. Alongside me for this one, as always, is Statman Reese. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Obviously, disappointed to me. Uh, missed the one yesterday with the Welsh hero that is uh, yesting, but I'm assuming by the time this goes out, that heard me shouting, Cumley and Biff. Uh, Will have heard everything in the podcast have heard in you about five, six gate minutes. crashing. Yeah, in your Welsh flag. <laughs> but, but no, I'm really looking forward to this one. We've had this one in the pipeline for a bit, and it's, yeah, we uh, are. it's going to be really, really interesting and a really different type of guest. Joining us also is um, one of our regulars. Is one of the, is a member now, official member, official member. Oh, am I? of of the lot squad. It is, of course, Laurie. How are you doing, Loz? Hi, uh, yeah, Sam, mate. Sam, really good. Thank nice you. To see you as always. Yeah, uh, Reese. Who do the intro? Who do we have joining us for this lot pod special today? So today we've got head groundsman Ryan Golding, 19-year uh, career. Uh, I believe he's wow. worked his way up all the way up from apprentice up to head groundsman, or he can tell me. Slowly working his way up to CEO. <laughs> yeah, so he'll be after Rob Oates' job pretty soon, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have to see if we get Sherman the Pug on uh, as well. Well, that'll be nice. Uh, that well. that would yeah, be a special yeah, guest. <laughs> that would be a special <laughs> guest. But yeah, I also introduced uh, head groundsman Ryan Golding. Ryan, how are you? All right, guys, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. Okay. Good, thank you. Busy week? Um, busy seven years. Busy seven <laughs> years. Specifically <laughs> seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we sort of work off the flooding in 2015 now. Mm. Um, I, I have a laugh with um, with my line manager, the operations director, uh, Sue Ward, and we say, can we just have a normal year? And we just never get a normal year. <laughs> but, Please. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. We'll, we'll Brilliant. Well, thanks for why. coming on, Ryan. Um, we just can we just first start with because obviously, as Reese said, there you have been at the club for quite some time now. So, do you just want to take us back to the start and how you ended up at the club and kind of how it's progressed into the role that you you have currently? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, a sort of quick snapshot of of me is um, I. I'm so I'm 35 years old, so um, I, obviously I don't know how old you guys are, but anybody around my age will realise that when you're 13, 14, 15 at high school, um, the the careers guys turn around to you and say, right, we want you to choose a career for the rest of your life, and you you don't know what you're having for tea. So no, I still don't know what I want to do. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, unfortunately uh, enough, I was this is a true story. I was in the careers room at um, at school. I'm Carl Heenan. Mm. High school in Maltown, and um, and I was reading a careers book, and there was a guy in there called uh, Paul Burgess, um, who was head groundsman at Arsenal at the time. Mm. So me being me, I sent a letter off to him, and I was able to do my work experience with him at Arsenal when I was fifteen. Wow, bloody hell! Um, at Highbury, which which was obviously a great experience, and uh, I probably wasn't the best kid at that age, but. Um, it, it was a great experience for me, and and it made me realise that this is the profession that I wanted to to get into. And from there, I, I I knew I was leaving school, and I did all my GCSEs, and I was I was sending off places to um, to 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 do this job, and there was nowhere coming back. And then literally the day before I was going to go into greenkeeping, the ex-head groundsman Jason Booth came up to my house and 
uh, said we've got an apprenticeship for Ryan if he wants it. Wow. And uh, that was 2003. And then I've been here ever since. So all the way up from apprentice, all the way through the assistant roles to uh, 2014 when uh, when Jason went, that I uh, that I got the headman's job. He took it. So he left yeah. conveniently before the flooding then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He left conveniently, yeah, yeah. Good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing to do with probably financially beneficial, but uh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely convenient. So what what team have you got under you then, Ryan? How big's your team in terms of the the groundskeeping side of things? So there's there's four of us all together. We've um, we've just took on an apprentice, uh, Kieran, who's uh, who's from Pontefract, and I've got two guys underneath me, uh, my assistant Stan and Leon, who have been here. Uh, it's over ten years now. Each that they've wow. both been here, mm-hmm. they've both been here since there was uh, since they were eighteen as well, eighteen nineteen, and it's um, we we sort of got Kieran. I think it was about six months ago now. Um, it's the three of us. There was there's, there's a lot of work to do, especially physical and mental work, all, all in one. Uh, to get the fourth guys really really helped us. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, there's us four. Is it sorry? Is it is it in the criteria? Is it in the job description? The job advert that you have to be a Leeds fan. I'm going to assume that you all are Leeds fans. It's, it's hard not to be. You can't. Yeah. Your, your life. Your, your life. Your your mood. Your uh, your everything. Your everything revolves around this club because because it has to and and it's probably times a hundred more for us because the job is so time consuming. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the amount of interviews that I've given lads over the years now and, and, and things like that, the first thing I say to them, um, I, I, I head of HR, uh, Sarah Tate, Tate sometimes uh, has a bit of, go, of a go at me because, because I, I'm quite hard in the interviews on guys because it's this, this will take up 99% of your life. You, yeah. you do have to sacrifice everything to, mm. to do this, not just because it's here, but this profession as well. And, and to be any good at it, you have to work around the weather and fixtures and, and last-minute changes and two, three, four o'clock in the morning and not sleeping for two, three days at a time and stuff. And, and it can cause havoc. So I just, I, I like to be honest like that. And, but fortunately mm. enough for me, I, I, I enjoy that flexibility and um, that, that um, not knowing what's coming sort of thing. Mm. I think I'd walk out of the interview at that point. <laughs> I'd be going, yeah. Yeah, that's not enough time to play football manager. Can't what? do that. Got to work Friday night. See ya. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's the thing. If, if you want to work in professional sport, you're going to work in yeah. everybody else's downtime, aren't you? So it's, Precisely. Um, yeah. mm. I, the, the older I've got, I think the more, um, I think the more firmer I've got with that. Yeah. Um, the more, the more I've sort of turned around and said, well, it's, it's guys if you don't like it and not just in this club and stuff like that you see a lot of young guys in our profession and stuff and they don't last very long because they, they don't realise just what has to go into it mm. Boxing day things like that Yeah 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 well it's funny you should say that actually Boxing day is everybody says Boxing day like it is great and the, like, the traditional side of it and stuff like that but purely from my job point of view it's really difficult because mm. With it being such an early kickoff, half eleven, I, I always like to have a bit of breathing space in case, in case anything happens. So in December, obviously, we're in we're in a dangerous area for snow. Mm. So I, I've I have not drank since on Christmas Day. I drank once COVID when we didn't play Boxing Day. Uh, on Christmas Day, I do not drink Christmas Day whatsoever because I'm constantly coming into the stadium. And we had a bad forecast. Did we play it on last year Boxing Day? We did, we did, didn't we? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. We had a bad forecast Christmas Day night, so I was, I was here from sort of two, three o'clock in the morning, just in case we got that snow oh, wow. because I didn't have a lot of time if I needed to start clearing the pitch or start uh, clearing the car parks and, and organising contractors to come in with ploughs and stuff. Ploughs, yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's safe for the crowd to come, and um, because obviously it's not just the pitch; the games can quite easily be called off. For, for access problems for um, for pedestrians and the crowd and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. um, that, that it, does, it does tend to be that way, you know, especially like in football and other sports, the pitch is fine and things, but it's like the access to, like you say, to the ground, it's not it's unsafe. So these are all things that people won't be aware of, but now you're speaking of them, kind of bring shining a light on them. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, you don't really expect people to 
to understand it because people it's people's enjoyment. They wouldn't see it. They sort of pay the money and, and expect to see a great game and, mm. and be entertained and things like that. But the amount of ducks that have to be lined up just from all the different departments, never mind ours, to get to the Friday, um, especially in winter, the start of the season, the, the February-March time is... Um, I, I, I can't plan to go away or anything like that. Mm. Um, I always try and go away in, in sort of the start of January and stuff with my missus, Rian, mm. because it's, it's easier for me to organise that rather than February when we know the start of the Super League season is coming. Me and my lads, we know we have to be switched on and um, all the equipment has to be ready and things like snow shovel. As daft as, as it seems, we, we must have about 50 snow shovels because... <laughs> Because you don't, because you never know when you're going to need them, and no. when you do need them, right there's going to be none. There's no, there's going to be none to get. <laughs> so it, it it's things like that that people probably wouldn't probably wouldn't see, but it allows us. The, the aim of the game is to get the game on, no matter yeah. how we do that. That that is the aim of the game. So from experience now, of, of as we said, nearly twenty years now, I I understand all the intricacies of not just the pitch and the stadium, but the uh, the surrounding areas and there were, there were, just a quick example we played Hull uh, a few years ago and it snowed on the morning of the game and, it, yeah. and somebody went in uh, got tackled into touch didn't they and we had all the snow piled down the north stand side and I, I'm having to ring Rob and stuff like that because I didn't have time the snow came down that quick we had a couple of foot in the space of an hour at 7 8am 8, 7, 8 wow. I, I couldn't physically take it out of the stadium so I knew that I was going to have to put it at the edges but then that obviously affects us commercially. Mm. So then I'm having to speak to Rob and say, there's nothing I can do. I have to put the snow in front of the sponsor boards and stuff. Mm. But because you're on Sky as well, that just doesn't affect us as a club. That affects Super League and stuff like that. So then you have to talk to Rodri and, and stuff. But ultimately, number one... The knock yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is. It's big. And I've got to try and pack down as much as I can so people can see it from the camera uh, at the top of the south stand and make sure as well it's away from play as much as I can because from the touchline to the edge of the pitch, you've got to have a three-metre perimeter mm. um, minimum as well. So the match commission has to sign all that off as well. So should line all them ducks up again just for when you get inclement weather. It, um, it, it does it does sort of stack up. That's extraordinary when you think like that because I actually remember that whole game and I remember trying to go into Leeds because I, I work in the centre of Leeds and I remember thinking that morning when they were coming down like, this game ain't going to happen. This game will not happen because the amount of snow that were coming down. I remember it thinking it's going to, they're going to call it off in the morning. And I remember looking at my phone later in the morning, thinking, "Oh, the game's on." There's been, you know, even Gary Everington were going, "Yeah, the game's on." This is on. a man you've got to thank. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, well, you can, you can imagine my, like, especially mornings like that, my phone's red hot. So it's you, you're dealing with your like your your heads of department. To, to Gary, to, to Paul, Caddy, you, you're dealing with Sky Sports. And um, the person I'm on the phone to more than anybody, Sue, because I'm having to say that and hang my hat on as well, knowing from experience that I that game was an example. I could see that we was going to get heavy snow in the morning. And then I knew we had a really small window to get as much snow off the pitch as possible. The undersoil heat was on full, so it was never going to freeze. So... I knew we had, we only had a set amount of time because I knew it was rain coming late afternoon. And if we'd have got rain on top of the snow, we'd have waterlogged very, very quickly because it would melted the snow very quickly. But and but I saw it getting mild as well. So I knew that I didn't have to start on the Western Terrace or the South Stand Terrace at the bottom where the snow had drifted in because we didn't have the roof because it were, it were being done, wasn't it, the, mm. uh, the, the South Stand. So I knew that it was going to thaw. So from experience, I knew that I had to deal with my priorities, which was the car park out here in the pitch. So... Um, yeah, there's a lot of communication needed as well. So what's it's quite your... the operation. Go on, Rich, So what's your remit then? So you've got the obviously you've got Henley Stadium and you've got the training grounds down at Kirkstall. Is there anything else that you look after that we that we're not aware of? There's, there's all sorts. Yeah, there's um, anything to do with the the, uh, the rugby club as a whole. Any property, anything you see green, all that grows. It's it's my remit. So mm. bushes, trees, memorial garden, pitch, Kirkstall. Um, one of my lads looks after Stanley because that's obviously where our uh, our youth team, uh, our youth team oh, yeah. reserves mm. and stuff. Um, so Dan, as part of the relationship with the club and stuff, he's employed by Stanley. So that gives us a great link 
with with them and we can prepare the pitch up to the standard that's required for our players to build through to the first team and wow. stuff. And Dan's very good in his own right, but it allows us to the club. So we always try and say whenever mm-hmm. any of our teams are playing, little things like mm-hmm. whether it's the women or any youth teams, they always we always have blue and amber both pads um, and, and flags as well, because I think we should. And Neil, Neil at Centurion's brilliant with that as well. Um, so whenever we, we, we try and do that as well. So... Um, yeah, there's other little things as well. I, I get I get pulled everywhere, so I get I have to do a lot of travelling as well. <laughs> Gary Hamilton's um, back garden as well, do you? <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't. I don't actually. No, um, although I did give him some fertilizer for the garden, but uh, I didn't chase him up on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, when, obviously, Headingley's since its redevelopment has held boxing events. You know, Josh Wellington's fought there. What what's the implications in the process and operation of, 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 of something like that? And what kind of involvement do you have with in terms of the pitch and the ground and surrounding areas? So with that any any sort of large scale event, and that's 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 gonna happen more and more, especially here, uh, moving forward. The devil's in the detail. everything is planning. And mm. and there's there's things that logistically as well how we are mm. at the stadium that's challenging because obviously we've only really got car for access onto the pitch we've only really got car park E or car park S mm. so you've got your huge wagons that have to turn up you I, I had to do a lot of um, visiting and and speaking to all of the groundsmen from from everywhere about um, about what different boards were available. And, mm-hmm. and things like that, and I have to, I had to research your, your weight distribution, how quickly it could be taken on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately enough, we I, I came across a, a a really really good guy and really good set of boards, um, Terrachak, and he's an Aussie guy, and his name's Adam Gibson, and he's he's a massive Sydney Roosters fan. Oh, True right. story. You couldn't write, you, you just couldn't write it, and um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we um, a lot a lot of planning went into that. Um, mm. the boxing especially and, and the rig and de-rig and maybe something that people don't see because we we have to be very conscious of the um, of the residents around the stadium that um, mm. so so with rigging and de-rigging we can only do it within certain times so other right. stadiums when for example Wembley where they can rig in 14, 15, 24 hours yeah they can go for the night yeah. yeah we can't Full so mm. yeah, so instantly that may add on to us another 24, 48 hours where the boards are on the on the pitch, mm. which which can be crucial. And the work that we had to put in after the boxing as well was was really really huge um, mm. to to get us to the point where we we had a decent surface for the end of the season. And mm. and it, it's not just it's not just the the grass itself we can push that through, especially in the growing season and stuff, it's the profile. As soon as the levels and stuff are fine because the boards did their job. Um, and, and to be honest as well, the management team from, from boxing, matchroom and stuff, they were brilliant as well, um, which I think is huge. But we, um, after things like that, that when you have that, it means that you do need to have a renovation pretty soon after it, mm. uh, like we did a few weeks ago. Mm. So before we talk about that re- renovation, then um, you didn't ask Gary or Paul Caddick to have one of these removable pitches like they have at Tottenham <laughs> to come underneath. One in, one out. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. in the budget, was it? That would be amazing. Yeah, I, I think I know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> so was that renovation that you did this summer as a result of that boxing that, that boxing event? Then, or was that was that sort of always planned as a result of that? No, we well. I'd planned in a particular renovation I'd going on with uh, with Sue since last year and, and the directors, Rob and, and, and Gary and stuff, and Nigel, that we, we needed to do a renovation. We were desperate. We we hadn't done it through COVID. I mean, take COVID as an example. We um, When everybody was on furlough, there, there was only me. <laughs> it was weird. It was the most surreal feeling ever for, for weeks on end. There was, there was just, it felt like me. Hmm. And, it, and so, it, like I was having to, I was having to cut the pitch. Um, and then I was having to go to that Kirk stall and get all that cut. And then we were trying to plan because we didn't know if when Super League was going to start. And then it was like, yeah. well, it's going to start then. And then, oh, by the way, 
do you think we can be a central venue? Uh, all right, what date's that? Okay, I need to start ramping up the pitch now because I'd essentially put it to sleep. Because yeah. we didn't want to spend, we didn't want to do anything financially with it because it'd be daft. We didn't know how long COVID was going to um, was going to last. So it, it was getting to the stage because everyone was furloughed. I was picking my wife up um, who was working in the hospitals and stuff and she was having to come and help me pull the bins out, pull the grass uh, oh, to get emptied and stuff like that. So it was quite, uh, it's quite a weird time really. But we, we needed to do the renovation because we hadn't done it since um, 2019 and it's, in groundsmanship terms, it's it's called an annual renovation. So it's something that you should do every year. Mm. It's just our um, it's just our business model and the and the way our sport is because of February to October that we can't do it every year. And I have to try and manipulate and find a window um, to be able to do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's huge, and people sometimes get um, a bit confused between reconstruction and renovation. So the reconstruction that we did back in 2012, when we had a whole new pitch and, and it was dug out, that's completely different to what we did a few weeks ago. We literally, in layman's terms, just imagine we bought a huge, like a wood planing that we used. We brought a huge wood planing and we just planed off the top 30 mil off the mm. pitch and then started again just because after all the rolling and all the fertiliser, creates sulphur, uh, you get what's called black layer, you get organic matter, you get thatch, and it's like sponge on top of the surface. Mm. So when you when you rain, it, it doesn't drain away, it doesn't go through the profile. Um, so essentially, you need to take all that away, and then you need to start again. But start again. It, yeah, it, it's straightforward for football clubs, because obviously they have the end of season, and they'll have a few weeks worth of concerts, met their, met their income from that, and then they'll have mm. six to eight weeks until they start the season, because they just set the top off, and nobody really bothers about it but it's a bit different with us because obviously we're in the middle of the season so you're a lot you're, you're a lot more under the spotlight um but I, i'm very proud of of doing things like that because it's it's it certainly is a huge challenge to to um not just plan that and to execute it and to get to where we are now i think um i think he's absolutely brilliant i mean that pitch looks immaculate for that Wigan game but it still looks great now but I think that was just so nice the first home game coming back and seeing that pitch it was it was stunning wasn't it yeah I, yeah thank you it, it it we worked very hard on it and um and people maybe see it sometimes on my social media and stuff but the, to know the detail of it is mm. is really it's really quite a skill it's um it, it's something that you can learn you, you have to go to college to do to do this absolutely really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have to study sports turf. Um, at your places like Mysco and Ask and Brian and, and, and things like that. So um, you generally have to study for around sort of um, five to six years mm-hmm. to gain your qualifications and stuff like that. But nothing beats the actual experience of doing the job itself. It's mm-hmm. um, it's huge. Um, just just why you reminded me, actually, I think I, I did this earlier because I wanted to show you, I think it'd be because people have sort of a misconception. So that, can you see that? Yeah. That is what we're growing grass in. That is the pitch. That's why, yeah, 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 that's the pitch. So it's fibre sand. You have a fibre sand pitch. So these little horsehairs here that you see here. um, (laughs) Pitch in a glass. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Excuse the pint glass as well, by the way. Um, (laughs) These these are polypropylene fibres that are mixed in with the root zone. So essentially, we grow grass in this because sand drains quicker than soil so mm. every modern pitch that you see now are all sand based pitches yeah so a lot of them are stitched or the majority of them are we're not stitched um we're just we're just uh, reinforced so everything that i do is working on the roots because i have to get the roots down so it holds everything together mm. um and so it holds up to play as well so. when it was the uh, summer bash the other week especially on that new pitch, I bet you were fearing the worst, weren't you? Especially like after a few games on there. What was you like about like Saturday night? Well, I bet you was a bit getting a bit nervous seeing all the uh, big lads from like Halifax and Bradford and Leon Smith hitting it. <laughs> yeah, I think the older, the older I get, the, the, the less, what's the way of saying it? The less, the, the, the less bothered I am. If that makes sense, because yeah. things like that, they're, they're the things that we that we want to have here. They're the they're, they're external income. They're, it's it's a great event to have here. 
um, at, at mm-hmm. the stadium and, and for the club itself. It's a very long weekend again for, for, for things that people don't see, like the operations teams and the cleaners and stuff like that, just the change yeah. around of the, of the changing rooms and stuff all the time. And um, th- There was quite a bit of wear um, on the pitch. Uh, the main thing wasn't actually the games. The, the two things you can take away from that is, generally what you find is, from the level, um, especially sort of below Super League, you can tell it is when you go on the pitch afterwards because um, a lot of the wear isn't past the 20 metre marks going towards the wings. A lot of it is middle base. Yeah, the, there isn't there isn't a lot going out wide. And the second thing is the warm ups. The warm ups we have to we, like we had to move around because yeah, um, when you do the warm ups in the same places, as you can imagine from the the glass that I just showed you, it doesn't take a lot to yeah. um, to start churning it up. Once mm. you once you sort of lose it, it's really difficult to get it back. Um, with our grow lights and stuff like that, so um, we we try and save it right at the start rather than try and recover it. Mm. So you, you kind of touched on it earlier about the disastrous Kirkstall floods at the at the Rhinos training ground. When when did you first become aware that it was? What was it in the morning, the night before? When were you were like, right, shit, this is um, this is disaster one hundred and one. We we knew the river levels were rising mm. from the couple of weeks before. We and we can see it and there's a there's a measuring station at Kurt's Labby mm. that we can um, from the environment agency that we um that we have access to. Mm. And I could see it Christmas Day morning. I looked at the forecast, but I wasn't worried mm. because it never happened before. No. So not not on Kurtzville side, maybe Field side it happened, mm. but not on Kurtzville side, so I wasn't wasn't hugely worried. We'd, we'd already put some uh, sandbags in place and stuff like that. But then mm. when it started to get to 7, 8 in the morning, I could see it. And then all of a sudden the pictures started to waterlog as well. I can't remember for the life of me the rest that day. I think it was Ben. I think it was mm. Ben Taylor. So I, like everyone's on it be saying, is the pitch going to be okay? And then all of a sudden, Kirk's still flooding. Oh, no. So my lads are running up and down, like in the cars, going from Kirk's still to the stadium, we're having to do a bit here. <laughs> and then, we're realising Kirkstall's got the rivers coming over. So, like, they're running in with Steve Burton, who's the site manager down there, and they're trying to grab as much as they can from downstairs because the medical department's downstairs. So, they've got, oh like, my God. We have the ultrasound and everything down there and paperwork. So, they're having to put everything on desks and try and get as much as they can up um, upstairs and stuff. And, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get this game on at half 11 up here and stuff. And, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy morning. And then when we saw it like go over, we just all stood back and went, oh, my God. I'm, I'm making phone calls on, on like sort of Boxing Day evening um, to guys who I know within the industry. Yeah. We're trying, to, we're trying to brainstorm ideas of when and how I can get rid of whatever's going to be left. If there is going to, I didn't know there was going to be the amount of silt that was going to be left yeah. um, from the river. Um, so I'm having to make plans. And obviously it's around Christmas time. Fortunately enough, like I said before, people in our industry, um, they we never sleep. We never we never have holidays. Professional sport never ever stops. No. Um, and and plus as well, I, I I don't and us as a club and me as well, I don't I don't tend to use anybody who who doesn't um, who who respects us as a club and who wants to work with us mm. as a club as well. I think they have, have to have an interest within rugby as well. So. Um, yeah, it, it was not a bad time. I remember it was crazy. I remember I'm gonna just remove you, Laurie. <laughs> Try and come back in, Laurie. Sounded <laughs> like a drunk Alec. What's the CPS? Is he still going? No, he's gone. Well, I'll let him come back in when he's back. <laughs> How long did it take until the training pitches were actually fully operational again? So we um, we couldn't do anything until we were coming into the growing season. And once the soil temperatures had lifted, because it would just be a waste of time. Mm. Um, and also as well, we needed the silt to dry out. So we brought in, it was the same machine that we used for the renovation up here. Um, so I was I was going down to the, I made contracts as a Premier Pitches, the based in Johnfield. So I'm going down to the farm down there and, and speaking with Carl who owns it and, and Russ and John and stuff down there and we're drawing and we're, we're trying to come up with plans of the best way of doing this and 
the silt was that heavy, like the bearings on the machine were snapping every few runs and stuff. So we haven't replaced bearings all the time. And um, I, I think we started in the start of April and then we sort of got the pitches back ready for, I think it was mid-May, uh, maybe the end of May, something like that. As soon as the temperatures lifted, we were able to get the pitches back. But I, I, I think something that was sort of really played at the time or um, Pete always said at the time, should I say, that that, that was really tough, that, because that period when the team wasn't at the at, at the training ground and it coincided with a really uh, bad downturn in form, mm. it, that was really, really tough. And people people made light of it and made a joke, but it was, it was seriously, it was at the stage in winter where I'm on the phone eight, nine, ten o'clock at night with Jason Davidson and and Mac and stuff, and, and we're and like we're organising training for the next morning because yeah. the forecast had changed. So it'd be like if we knew um, if we knew snow was coming, right? That's fine. We know snow's coming. We'll stick the under soil heating on at the stadium so we can guarantee the session. But the stadium's really, really sort of showing wear and tear now. I'm conscious that we're in season as well, and we're, yeah. we're miles away from the growing season. So can we stick to 40 minutes and? Lads were turning up. We were training up at Leeds Uni. They were great. And mm. uh, down at Middleton Sports Centre. And lads are getting changed out the back of the boot. Mm. Like, like Sunday League. And these are professional sportsmen. Yeah. And and that were a really, really tough period. That And and I think that's something that I think the end of that 15, especially with the lads, that um, when we got to the final in 17, it really, really meant something to us in 17 as well. Mm. From, from all the... All the um, all the bad times that we went through in at sort of 16 as well, it really meant something in 17. Yeah, it was special. So the pitches behind the training ground, the ones that don't seem to be used anymore, there's still some rugby pitches, there's still some rugby posts on there, but it looks a bit overgrown. Are, yeah. Are we not, are, are they are they part of the club anymore? Or Because I, I can see when you get the training to Leeds. Um, are we still using them or is there any plan to use them again? There's plans. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's plans not necessarily to use them to play. Um, there's a lot of plans at the moment that um, that are, are being discussed at the moment. They um, they're still full of silt uh, from the flooding because the only access we had onto there was a one-ton bridge with a um, a one-ton limit with seven and a half foot wide access next to the bridge pub. So I, I couldn't get any machinery down there to to complete any works and stuff like that. So at the moment that's in um, that's in the hands of, uh, of of certain people. If that makes sense, but there is there is some plan. Ah, okay, fair enough. Um, I know just from your Twitter, Ryan, following you on Twitter and things, you are not. I agree with you, by the way, but you are not a fan of four G artificial pitches. I'm just going to give you a platform now to kind of inform people why they're wrong, why they're rubbish. I think they're rubbish because I think you're just covering the planet in plastic and it's disgusting and horrible. How? Going to give you a, a platform now to kind of tell us and inform people why 4G is pants. I think when you work in my job, and I'm not just saying it because I'm a groundsman, mm. we have a 3G, and without our 3G, especially yeah. in incoming weather, we we wouldn't be able to to take half of training, especially in pre-season. Yeah. Um, when it comes to that, they're absolutely perfect. When it comes to um, when it comes to professional play at the top level and at the elite level, I, I strongly believe they do not have a place. They just, mm. they, how can chopped up car tyres and a plastic rug mirror what, what, what groundsmen produce or what, mm. or what grass is? I just, it's mm. crazy. The, any, anybody who installs something like that, to be completely blunt and honest, it is a financial decision. It's a financial decision because no, yeah, no, no, no player wants to play on it. We yeah, had one at our local that. rugby union club, but obviously that meant the money we generated from that was that you, you know we got more games for from Yorkshire rugby union coming over there. It meant we could get you know you could hire it out for football and and you know for five size and stuff like that. So it is it is a revenue like the school that one else grow mm-hmm. they've they've got one because it's 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 revenue. I think Menston and St Mary's they've got one because they can hire it out, can't they? The mm-hmm. one reason I don't like them. And that's when I played rugby on them. Well, one used to get massive scars and stuff or whatever. Mm. And I've seen professional sports people do that. But um, the bloody pebbles, 
Those little yeah, pellet the, the things. Mm. You can't. They, they, you just find them all over your house, yeah. everywhere. You just can't get rid of them. Yeah, they, honestly, like, chopped up gas tires. Stink. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, it's oh, up that, that's all they are. And when you listen, artificial companies are very good at marketing. Hence, you, you, you Eddie, you said uh, 4G, didn't you? There's, mm. we're, we're not at 4G. We're at 3G. That's just marketing. Oh. Worked on me. Yeah, is that, that's what I'm saying. The G stands for generation. Right. So we, we're, we're still on. We're still on uh, 3G, which is the rubber infill. And ah. um, I, the 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 injury rates are, 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 are more um, for rugby league, especially yeah. the fast, dynamic forwards, backs moving all the time, hamstrings, groins, ankles, and things like that. It's just not. It's just not appropriate at all. Um, if if you want to put one in a financial decision and stuff like that, then then that's cool. I don't think you're gonna ever, especially. I can only talk for rugby league. I don't think you're ever going to uh, potentially sign the caliber of player that you want. Hmm. Uh, they they are still want to gonna play on grass mainly because of the injury rates and yeah. the burns and the cuts and mm-hmm. stuff. I just think it. Yeah, they they have the players, but not in. Um, not in top level elite sport, I don't think. Not in pro sport. I agree. No, we kind of touched on him a little earlier. We've got we've got yourself here. You've spoke about your team, but we know who the real star of the show is, Ryan. <laughs> don't pretend you don't know. Is um, how is Sherman? Is he good? He's all right. He's sleeping. He's, he's, uh... <laughs> he does a great job <laughs> sleeping yeah, on the job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's sleeping. He's had his tea. Um, so he, uh, he, he, we have to give him diet food because he puts weight on too quick. Um, is that sorry? I'm, I'm a big dog person. I think Reese is as well. Is um, how how old is Sherman? Is it? Did you just decide one day I'm going to take him with you? Did you need permission from the club? Does he? I've kind of seen. A, I think I've seen a picture of him in changing room. So does he just? Has he got free reign of Headingley? The king of Headingley, this thing. Yeah. He. Um, so he. I didn't want a little a little dog. I, I wanted a big dog. I always mm-hmm. had German Shepherds and stuff when mm-hmm. I was growing up, and it was my wife um, who who pushed us to to sort of get a pug. And we got drunk one night and said, uh, "Why don't we call the next dog we get Sherman?" Yeah. So we did. And um, so it's we, a good got, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know it's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so we um, he's seven and a half now, and he's been coming here since he was six weeks. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, so he's uh, he's grown up here, and um, it's great because he knows not to walk onto the pitch. Mm. Uh, he knows to walk around. He knows to. He still <laughs> runs off every now and again just because he's hungry, um, and he and he's always looking for food. But he's always running in, and uh, he's running into the tunnel all the time. He knows to go to uh, to Glyn, uh the equipment manager's room, because yeah. Glyn gives him treats. <laughs> so he'll he'll sit there and and pour at his door even when Glyn isn't there, and. He'll run into the changing rooms and cause havoc. And um, the the only problem is he gets. He, I've taught him to chase birds. Yeah. So it, it pigeons off the pitch, but obviously, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, he isn't your stereotypical gun dog, is it? So <laughs> he just gets about five meters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he's <laughs> sweating and blowing. As, oh, not sweating, but blowing. And um, he uh, he. The problem is he gets confused between birds and planes. So and especially now he's got one eye. It doesn't really yeah. help that we're on a flight path. So he, he'll spot a plane, he'll start chasing over the pitch, trying to bark in it, come back and expect a treat off me and the lads. Oh, and turning around going, hold on, mate. You, like, like, you're not having one for that. You, you need to at least make it worth it. You're so, not having one for that. We're a, we're a jet two from Benidorm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're on the flight path. So he's, he's running all over the pitch, barking and stuff. We're all turning around going, there's no birds on the pitch. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he gets... He's getting a bit older now, so he's getting a bit, um, he's getting a bit more tired, uh, quicker. So, um, but it's great for me because I, I sometimes spend a lot of time on my own as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah. The, it's the lads, so it's it's great to have him here. I, I find myself talking to him sometimes. Uh, That's normal, by the way. Talking yeah, yeah. to your pets yeah. is normal. It's fine. My, my dog is uh, my therapist. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, I would I wouldn't change it. I think I'm a dog person anyway. I'm a massive dog person. Awesome, I've yeah. never not. Yeah, I'd, I'd never not be without a dog. A, a trip mm. to the seaside is wasted if you haven't got a dog. Mm. Pointless. Mm. Silly question then. 
Have you trained him not to do his business on the pitch? Yeah, when he was <laughs> pup, we had a few um, we had a few instances where he had to be told off, but he he doesn't have. He, he hasn't done since maybe a year and a half. And wow. to be honest, that's not that's not some of the worst things you find on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You, the the worst thing we have to sort of um, sort of um, sort on there is um, you won't notice it a lot, but in back play, a lot of the time, some of the players are throwing up. Mm. So you'll nobody will ever notice it really unless you're looking out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there'll be a quick throw up on the pitch, so then you'll see me, me and my lads, generally my lads actually, um, all have a bucket of water and they'll splash a bucket of water and run straight back off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So nobody, so they'll just, so they'll just try and get rid of as much of it, so nobody starts like sliding through it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And um, yeah, we find a lot of Chinese lanterns as well. Um, on the really? Pitch and, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A lot of Chinese lanterns and um, animal damage. We find that all the time. Obviously, foxes. Uh, we struggle with foxes, so we find mm. a lot of scratch marks and stuff like that, and toilet marks from female foxes. So. Mm. Um, do you have obviously Headingley's backs onto the cricket um, pitch? Do you have much to do with the cricket groundsmen? Do you work in tandem with them? Yeah, yeah. We, my, from me being a a, a kid, mm. uh, from being here, we we've already had, always had a good relationship as yeah. ground staff as well. You need to have two sort of departments two hundred yards away. So yeah. we always we always yeah, we, we bounce off each other. It started with my ex head boss Jason. Um he, he was good at building relationships and and stuff and I've known Andy, the head man over there, and Gareth's been there for years as well. So we always we always try and bounce off and if somebody needs something we always always try and help each other out Chipping. as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great it's sort of a the groundsman's code really. Mm. which is good that's good so what goes into a match day for you what does match day look for like you and your team because you mentioned a bit about swelling sick off the pitch um, but I'm assuming yeah. you do a bit, there's more more to it than that on a, on a game day so it, at the moment it, it, all, it all depends on what time of year um, so at the mm. moment is is really straightforward to us we have like a menu that we follow um, at this time of year um, I think one thing that's unique as well is there isn't a lot of sports or a lot of places that'll have um, have the double header. Uh, football don't have them throughout Premier League down to League Two, even lower. You never see any football clubs have have two games there, so that's something that I I have to compensate for. Um, so just like the profile that I showed you earlier, hmm. which is obviously sand, when people it's funny actually because when you see Sky going all oh, the water the water in the pitch, uh, the one in wet ball and stuff like that before a game and stuff I'm not watering for that whatsoever I'm watering to firm all that up so we can get mm. a quicker surface so mm. um, that's why you'll see water on especially at the moment since we've renovated I'm, I'm watering in, in the lead up to the, the, the first game maybe at half time of that first game but then the trick is to to have the profile wet but the top of the leaf dry as possible mm. so we can have dry ball um, so we can play and that, that's something I have to talk to Rowan about Mm. Um, and and stuff like that because the last thing I want like Mac 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 used to go mental about water. I'm not joking you as well. <laughs> Honestly, the conversations we had were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, a general day like tomorrow we um, we'll cut first thing. So at the moment we'll cut with our 36 inch uh, Infinity Cut cylinders. Uh, they're electric, um, so there's no noise from them really. Um, We'll probably take off in the region uh, maybe 1,200 litres um, of grass tomorrow. We're cutting around, uh, we're cutting at 28 mil at the moment, which mm. is about right for us. We don't want any shorter because we we uh, want to try and protect the ryegrass plant from stressing out too much with all the games. And we trained on it yesterday as well. So I'm just trying to provide a bit of cover. And also as well, when players hit the surface, I don't want them to hurt knees and elbows and joints and stuff like that. So... It provides a bit of cushion, but it's short enough to be able to play a fast, um, expansive game on. Mm. And then we'll mark out tomorrow because the forecast's fine. Sometimes we'll have to mark out the day before um, because of the forecast, but generally it takes us about four hours to mark To mark it out. out? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, it, it beats so many lines. 
Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's so many lines. We we go through paint wise. We probably go through go through about thirty to forty liters of paint every game. Oh. There's, so, there's so many lines. There's, so, then when we had rugby union before and stuff like that, we'd have green paint, red paint, white paint. Um, we've got every different color you can imagine. In, in case we get snow, we've got um, we, we've got blue. Mm. Um, in case we ever get snow and stuff like that. So there's a couple of times where we've marked out in blue in case we've got snow through the game and yeah. we have to shovel it off or brush it off so that the referees and such judges can see it. Mm. Um, and then we'll test. We do a lot of testing. So um, we have instruments that we test the pitch with. So like a clag hammer to uh, measure firmness, the shear meter, so we can measure uh, what the best studs are um, to, to wear on the pitch and, and moisture as well. Like I've just said, because obviously we want to try and keep the pitch as firm as possible. We're, we're constantly measuring moisture because we want to be around sort of 27, 28% within the profile. Mm. So, yeah. So much stuff that just completely unaware of. It, it's fascinating to hear, you know, the whole operation and like, the growth. It's just, I mean, all we see is a beautiful pitch that like, either yourself or the club or someone tweets and we just go, wow. You know, it looks it looks amazing, but then we don't know the process and all the work that you guys put in. We know you work hard and all that, but now we know that's it's been really fascinating. I've, we've just I've got a few more questions, not about yeah. the pitch as such and and your day job. It's more about the game and the rhinos. What um what's been your favourite game that you've had at at Headingley? It's a great question. Mm. Um, I've probably got three. The first okay. one would be, uh, I can't remember the year, but do you remember when, uh, were we like 20 points to four down against Saints? Was it 0-3 or 4? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I was at that game, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. I, I really like that. The, the second one were obviously um, uh, the 15 playoff against mm. uh, against Saints. I, I've never, I've never known a, a, a man or a player like Kev, just mm. to grab a game and say, I, I, "Follow me." It's, yeah, we're winning this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he just, just said, me. "We're not losing tonight." Just, just yeah. yeah you're right. Just follow me. Yeah, we're we're, we're doing yeah. this. It was just, it was just unbelievable, and the atmosphere were ridiculous as well. It was absolutely yeah, well. unbelievable. I, I was in the exit of the south stand because uh, our office was was under there uh, in the old south stand. It, it was just bouncing. It, it was absolutely brilliant. It made the air stand up on you on your back of your neck and your arms and stuff. Mm. Um, and the third one would be the uh, Huddersfield game in COVID when Kayleigh mm. knocked the shot ball over. Um, <laughs> I've never, like that comeback, it was like Catalan's the other week, wasn't it? But to, because it was weird because there was no crowd yeah. and, and my, my lads were ball boying. So mm. I was on my own. So to get in the red zone, you had to have a certain amount of tests. COVID yeah. tests through the week and stuff like that. So you're having to wear a mask and stand there with your pass on with your numbers on and all, you know these killings from all the tests that you've got to go yeah. through and um by the when Gailey knocked it over I could I could hear two things uh three things I could hear the players cheering I could hear the director's box with <laughs> Rob that's Rob that'd have been Rob out yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I could hear Rob and all I started off like running down the touchline down, down the south stand and I've got this mask on and I'm jumping up and down, and I'm running. I'm running down the touchline, and I'm like, "What am I doing? The game's finished. I need to get on with my job. Well, I, need, I need to work." So, like, I've stopped, and I'm just going. Like, I need to go get my talk. What, 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 what am I doing? So it was, that it was must, just brilliant. That must have been so surreal to 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 be there in an empty stadium, watching a watching the Rhinos play a Super League game. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was, and, and do you know what? It, it, I think sometimes as a club we 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 take some some unwarranted stick, but we stuck our hands up as a club and as a stadium and turned around and said, "We'll host all the games. We'll do it." Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. That is a logistical nightmare, mm. testing the amount of passes and scanning and um, people you're really allowed in zone one, two, three, four that. Yeah. You can't go this way, but you can go that way. I'm having to prepare the pitch and stuff like that. And it, it, it was a logistical nightmare. And I, I just think it's testament to, to us as a club where as we said to the sport, do you know what, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. So it, it was great. Great. 
Yeah, and it, it was great to see Rugby League back as well. We have to thank you all and everyone that did bring it back. Because I think, as a country, sport kind of, in a sense, lifted everybody when it did come back. You know, even though in, in football and everything that all sport where there were no fans there, but the fact that we could watch live sport it really lifted everybody. So that you're absolutely right to give yourself a pat on the back, and everyone should yourself and the club uh, as a whole. Did um did brilliantly. So Ryan, you've been at the club what 19, 20 years now. Yeah. So you've seen some incredible players put on that Rhino shirt for Leeds. You mentioned Kev. I'm sure he's up there. What were some of your other favourites that you've seen play down at Edinley? Um, I, I mean, I can't rank them. I, I can't. Oh, no, no, because, I, I uh, can if you need me to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, <laughs> you've got all the usual, aren't you? JP. Yeah. Kev, Rob, obviously mm. Rob. Rob would just—I don't think we'll ever see a player like him with his his height mm. and and his movement and stuff like that. And um, I, I always like watching um, Joe Moon. Uh, yeah, he—he he, he was like Callum, where he glided mm. across the pitch. And, and the good thing as well for me is is that I can see the work that they put in to make themselves into, into, yeah. into, into that player. So. Like I, I remember with Callum, um, he worked for months and months with with Jason Davidson on um, on a program where he, he was too slight, he, and he he Jason booked him up, and he and he left one season. I can't remember the season, and then the season he 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 came back from the end of the season. He was just unbelievable. Not yeah. just the step, but the strength to get past people, and yeah. um, and Brett Delaney, Frogger, yeah. I think as a as a guy to change position and I've never seen a bloke put as much he's like JP level of like I am running through brick walls yeah. I, I, I give me that ball I am running through that line yeah. uh, I can't walk I've got two broken yeah. legs but I'm running through that I line I'm going to say towards, towards back end of Brett's career every time he played he was were, he were like 90% tape wasn't he, he just <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, yeah he had tape everywhere <laughs> didn't he he had tape everywhere well he, he, he was great with Brett as well because he um, and it's good with the the playing side of it as well because as you can imagine, especially within a uh, in the environment that we have, there's, mm. there's always a lot of laughs and stuff going yeah. on. And and Brett did an hour when he was at Parramatta of being a groundsman and stuff. And even like the other day, I messaged him about something when he, oh when he got the uh, York job, uh, assistant job. Um, he um, I, w- I was messaging him and he was like, yeah, if you need me to come, uh, if you need me to come help you, then I will do. I'll show you how it's done and stuff like that. You're like, oh. Mate, you, you can barely walk now, don't, don't, don't start giving me that. So, so, um, so who's catching yeah, your eye in training at the moment then in the current squad? If you can, in... um, I, it's the obvious ones, isn't it? That, that everybody sees. The, the thing is, though, as well, you've got to remember is you see, you don't just see the player, you see the lad, yeah. So, you, you yeah, that's you, unique, you, yeah, yeah. You, you, you take the lad into it and you, you take somebody like somebody who's naturally talented like Harry. Um, uh, he, he could pick up the ball and beat five men quite easily. And um, you've got lads who just work really like Dono. Um, yeah. Dono just because of of where he's come from and his career path and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he just works really really hard and he's he's a good lad as well. Um, it, it's all the ones that people see, but it probably we see more because of the lad as well. Mm. That we te- we take that into account as well. So mm. um, I, I ain't really give you an answer to that. I've ever, I, I'm right. not, I don't really want to. Jared called uh, uh, Harry Newman uh, the teacher's pet, didn't he? Oh, yeah. no, did he? he yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> said he ruined necessarily pet. say that. Yeah, I won't, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I won't necessarily say that. Although I can't. I, I, yeah, I mean, Rowan Rowan's as a as a head coach, he's he's been brilliant for me. Um, since he's since we came in, mm. he's been absolutely brilliant. He's he uh, he takes training barefoot. Um, As in, he does, or he demands yeah, the players yeah. do? No, no, he's he's barefoot. Just oh, he's like such an Aussie yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You couldn't yeah. get any. No matter the weather, no, I'm, I'm barefoot. Barefoot yeah. or thongs? Oh, thongs are people that that's what they call that's what they call flip flops in Australia. <laughs> by the way, just yeah, yeah, out there. Just in case anyone doesn't know. Is there a, uh, yeah, is there yeah. like a, a specific reason? Is it like um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
you know when like grounded. Um, no, what's the word? Superstitious. Is it okay. is it like a superstitious thing for him to take training barefoot, or is it just a random thing he likes doing? No, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, it's just, it's quite odd to see it, especially in the UK. But yeah, he, he can he can coach with no clothes, and if we get six, I'm about to say yeah. what's the thong on, <laughs> and in just a real English thong. If it, yeah. if it keep playing the way we are, yeah, absolutely. So it, it's not. It is it, it, as a head coach. It, every head coach who's who's sort of been here, it, uh, they've all got their intricacies and. Mm. And different things and stuff like that. I I always try to have a, a really good relationship with every head coach, but because we're messaging all the time, like daft o'clock, early in the morning, not just about our pitch and stuff like that. I have ninety nine percent an idea how other pitches are going to play when we play away and and yeah. um and stuff like that and stud selection and 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 weather weather can, weather can affect potential team selections. Do you, do you go with three forwards or two forwards or four forwards? Uh, mm-hmm. On the bench, if you know the pitch is gonna is gonna cut up very easily, so mm-hmm. any sort of input that you can have is great. And every every head coach was different. And Bluey, like Blue was Blue was great. Smithy were great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mac, like Mac were um, Mac were great. <laughs> Mac were great. He was, he was absolutely he was absolutely. Great. Do you know what he takes a lot of stick? But he, I don't know uh, why. I don't know why, Ryan. I I, I don't agree. With I it. do not know I, why. I, I, I don't agree. He um, he was uh, he was obviously in charge when I first took over, and mm. on my first day, he rang me and said, "I need you to come down to Kirkstall." It's a true story. And I've gone down to Kirkstall, and uh, I've gone upstairs to his office, and uh, I've looked through the window, and uh, he had the corner office, and uh, he was there, and he's gone like that, and I've gone in, and there was all the coaching staff. So he's gone right, sit down there. He's gone. Uh, I want you to tell me why that pitch is rubbish up there. I went in, rubbish. He goes, it is. And we went on this five minute, like back and forth and stuff like that, to the point where I was just getting really frustrated and really angry because he wasn't like listening to me. And he just started laughing. And all the coaching staff started laughing and stuff like that. I went, What are you doing, me? I did. I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not listening to this. So I walked out and he, so he started laughing. And he rang me up. He rang me up that afternoon and said, Where are you? I said, I'm in my office. And he came to see me. He went, That was brilliant. He goes, That's just what I wanted. He goes, You fought your corner when you knew you were right. And we had a coffee, we had a coffee, and then following that, we uh, we had some arguments. Don't get me wrong, especially after flooding and stuff. But he, he demanded he demanded a certain level, yeah, from uh, from people. And um, he he little like a, a little story about uh, him as well was if Kirkstall was was becoming a bit untidy and stuff, he used to um, get all the staff emailed and all the staff. And no matter who you are, we all had to go back to Kirkstall. He stood on top of the box at the end of the gym and said, we do not accept this. We are here. You walk past a piece of rubbish, you pick it up and you put it in the Absolutely, bin. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And, um, yeah. And, and it's the same with every head coach we've had, really. They're, they're, they're all great. And he's he's really good with me and, and my lads as well. It's, it's really good to have a mutual respect. Yeah, Absolutely. You, t- you touched on earlier that you've b- you've been to Highbury and I'm sure you've seen some other great stadiums. What what do you think's the best stadium? Have you been to a good stadium? What's the best stadium you've actually been to? The frozen. Have we got you? Are you back? Oh, I think we've lost him, Reese. Are you back? Oh, are you there? Are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, right, we're back on. We're back on. We're back. We're back. We're live. We're live. It's live radio. We're all right. Uh, I'll just ask him what's the best stadium you've been to, Ryan. Um, what been to or been on the pitch? Um, Both, either or. Oh, um, I'm fortunate again that you get to go to some um, very nice places. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bernabeu, um, mm. New Camp, uh, oh. uh, Allianz in uh, in Sydney. Mm. Um, that that was an impressive stadium. Um, I, I I quite like my my a good friend of mine is the head grounds at the Olympic Stadium in Helsinki. Um, and I took my wife. A good over friend there. out there. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly it's it, it's the weirdest best industry in the world because it's like it, everybody knows each other. So, I was going to say yeah. because the uh, once you get to your level, sorry for butting in, you know, and you're at the pro game. There's not, I suppose, it is quite a close knit 
like union and group of of heads grounds people. Yeah, we're we're always talking. Yeah, and and generally, what I find is, especially in rugby league as well, is as, as a sport, people generally they come to me or, or I'll 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 help them. Hmm. So when when uh, England played at Anfield, Dave Roberts, who was head man there, I sent my two lads Dan and Leon. They went out to help over there when Kev was still involved with the the England setup. So. Hmm. They helped out with the training, the captains run the day before, about communication and where to set up certain drills and stuff, and then the work through the day, uh, the match day and stuff like that. And wow. um yeah, we, we all we all talk. Um we we all we all get on. There's obviously people in the, in the industry who are very different personalities. Yeah. Um but we're all doing we're all to quote um a, a guy who, who I speak to quite often, Dougie Robertson at West Ham. Um, to quote him, we cut grass and paint white lines. That's as simple as it is. Mm. We throw fertiliser on it. We have to know what we're doing and we have to work very hard. And when we boil it down, that's a lot what it is. So, um, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's obviously a lot more than that. But that Oh, we found that out tonight. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, full-blown 24-7, 365 operation. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's it from me, Reese. Would you like to... Yeah, we've just got a couple from the mailbag, Ryan, before we can uh, let you... Yeah. And then we've let you crack on. Uh, one's just more of a comment, actually, which is Matt Horton saying that Sherman is the real boss of the operation. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so there's that one. Um, one of mine actually wrote down was you keep you kept um, referring to the weather forecast. I'm assuming you don't use the Met Office or BBC. Do you have like a special forecasting system, or do you actually use um, the Met Office? Or no, I, I use I use a selection. So I use Met Office, BBC, Metcheck, XC Weather. And they're all open on my computer, and then I'll look at them all, and then I'll sort of take the middle ground from them. But mm. the most important thing is literally is the up to the minute radar. That is that is absolutely massive. Um, there's there's times where I've looked at the radar and you look outside and you think there's no way rain's going to come, but you can see it coming up, or you can t- it generally comes from the west. Um, from experience, if it comes from the west, a lot of it will disperse across the Pennine. Um, but radars, radars, absolutely massive. Um, I'm just checking because I'm going on a canal boat on Saturday. The forecast isn't looking great, so I need to <coughs> see uh, which one's best. Um, Scary's asking, "What's your best tip for keeping grass looking good?" Uh, um, it, it's it's the basics. It's, it's only photosynthesis. Photosynthesis, what we learn in science. It's just water. Um, your, your nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium input uh, aeration. It is, it is as straightforward as that. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't let female, don't let female dogs uh, go to the toilet on the grass as well if you yeah, can. That's, that's my problem. Um, yeah. Tim asks, and you can answer this already, but there might be a different uh, answer for it. Do coaches ask you to prepare the pitch in a certain way to suit the style of play? Um, no. Uh, no, we we always try and prepare it the fastest surf the fastest surface we can. We prepare um, for the time of year that it, it depends. Like I said before about the height of cut and stuff like that, I always try and make it dry, which gets difficult towards the end of the season because in the next few weeks we'll start. Although it's nearly finished, we'll start to get really heavy dews on a nighttime kickoff. So there's there's things I can do to alleviate that. So there's there's products I can spray which will disperse dew, which will hopefully give us dry ball. They're just very expensive, um, and and once you've cut them out, they don't last very long. Um, so yeah, no, we when we were designing the stands, um, when they came through, I had a, a long conversation with um, with Paul Caddick because um, oh yeah, again same as Gary. Like, the, what he's done for the club is, is unbelievable. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, I really think they need credit for that. And um, Paul's rang me up, and we've had a very very long discussion on on pitch widths and dimensions and stuff because he wanted the stands as close as possible to the pitch um, to create the a, a, as an intimidating atmosphere as possible. And I was um, I was very conscious that uh, it was Mac at the time who he wanted the widest pitch possible. Which is sixty-eight meters, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to eat into that as well. So um, we're we're actually quite a big pitch. We're we're a two hundred meters try line to try line, 
which mm. is quite rare within Super League. Our grass area is actually is 111.2 by 68, um, whereas the pitch itself is uh, 110.2 by 66.5 because you have to have your three-metre perimeter again. So we're actually, we are actually quite a big pitch for Super League, mm. which does lend itself. And it's really weird. When there isn't crowd in the stadium, the pitch seems a lot bigger than when there's crowd in. Uh, and it's really difficult to put across unless you see it. Yeah, it, it, it's really weird. And then there was two questions from Graham. Um, one you've kind of answered already, but we'll ask it anyway. How long would the new pitch last now it's been resurfaced? Um, we, we, in theory? <laughs> in, in, in theory, we, we, I do it really different here. I plan to not have it for, for as long as I can. Mm. Um, and I'm constantly reviewing that and talking with the management team and and, and stuff of, of how we're holding up and I can do certain things to, to make it last longer um, and, and things like that, sort of aeration and a lot of raking and brushing and things like that. Hopefully, um, we can maybe get to three or two. Um, it, it's all relative. It's all relative. Yeah. depends on how many events we have, um, if we do moving forward. So there, there's a lot of variables in that. Cool. And then the final question is, uh, again from Graham, uh, how many miles do you tend to walk when cutting the grass or lining the pitch? <laughs> uh, um, so when you're cutting your own, it's just under six miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, somebody will be able to work that out. It's a 36-inch mower, and I've just given the dimensions before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just under six miles uh, when, you, when you're cutting your own. When We've got two mowers, so... We do it in around an hour and 45 minutes, so that's just under three miles that you do. Um, although you'll see in the World Cup, we'll be doing it a lot quicker um, because we don't have a lot of turnaround time between training sessions and games and stuff. Um, so we'll bring extra mowers in um, and stuff like that to, to allow us to complete that a lot quicker. Brilliant. That's the mailbag. Just to finish off, thanks for coming on, by the way, Ryan. It's been... Um... Fascinating and brilliant. We've been recording for an hour and it's just, it's flown. It's Honestly, it's absolutely flown. Just to finish up, you kind of spoke about it, but what do you feel the Rhinos' chances are finishing this year? Me, me, Reese. I think everybody on this podcast now are kind of planning our trip to the grand final and uh, to win, <laughs> win it again. How, how are you feeling of a, a, when, in terms of the Rhinos' chances this year? Um, I... I... Yeah, I, I, for the way we've played, especially over the last few weeks, mm. I, I don't see any reason why we can't go far. We, we're entertaining, yep. we're, we're expansive, mm-hmm. aren't we? It, it, it's fun to watch, it is. isn't it? It's just, it's just fun to watch. So um, I hope we, we get as far as we can. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be nice to go as far as we can, especially after, um, obviously there was the Challenge Cup, but after a probably say a barren few years for us for us as a club with what we've achieved over the last 10-15 years mm. um, I, I think um, Harry will be a big miss oh yeah I think, yeah massive. yeah um, I think Harry will be a big miss but then on the flip side of that it gives an opportunity to somebody else absolutely uh, to, to step up so um, and, and with the young players that we've got coming through as well I think, I think they're fearless Um they uh, they've got bad craft, but they um they're they're fearless, and <laughs> and I think that's that's something that's really exciting for us at the club yeah. for to see the last few weeks as well. I think has probably give people a lot of uh, enjoyment and hope moving forward. Yeah, what mm-hmm. I took from that Reese is we're going to win it again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was the, poli- the, the political calm way rather than me and you just come out and go grand final win. Yeah, grand final win. Yeah, world club challenge. Brian again. Yeah, again, thanks a lot for coming on. We really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, go the Rhinos. No worries. Oh, cool. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye.